Ah, what a lovely time I, Margaret Thatcher, am having in my new career as a global cabaret superstar, which this week brought me to Yorkshire, where I've been touring the old mining towns. I've gone down so well that they've forgiven me for our little tiff in the 80s. The Grimthorpe Colliery Brass Band have agreed to be my backup group. Not quite my tempo. And even Arthur Scargill came to the stage door for an autograph. So I've decided to phone up David Cameron to tell him to reopen all the pits. Now, I've just got to find him on my phone. David Starkey, David Ike, David Beckham. Oh, I I really should delete the numbers of all my one-night stands. Ah, here we are. David Cameron. Margaret. Mrs Thatcher. Ah, my backup dancers. Hessel and Tyne. Bright young talents, fresh out of drama school and hungry for work, which is why I don't pay them very much. What can I do for you boys? There's been a scandal in Parliament. And a documentary about you, Kip. Ed Balls talked about his sex life. And we can't work out what colour this dress is. Scandals, documentaries, Ed Balls' sex life. I'm afraid Yorkshire's going to have to do without all those coal mines. Tell David C to just frack here instead. Britain needs me, and there's only one thing to do. I'm going to have to record another episode of Margaret Thatcher, Queen of Podcasts. What's new? Buenos Aires. I'm new. I want to say I'm just a little stuck on you. You'll be on me too. I get out here. Buenos Aires. Stand back. Because you know what you're going to get in me. Just a little touch of. Just a little touch of. Just a little touch of. Star quality. Welcome to episode two of Margaret Thatcher, Queen of Podcasts. With me, your host, Margaret Thatcher. And welcome back to my fabulous suite at the Ritz, where I'll be chatting about all the current events of the day. It's like an episode of Loose Women, only with fewer menopausal histrionics. And what a week it's been. The last time the world was this obsessed with a blue dress was when there might have been a presidential semen stain on one. (laughs) Wolf Hall ended with a twist that surprised everybody who'd never read a history book. (laughs) (laughs) And Parliament voted down an amendment to outlaw abortions made on the grounds of gender, which means that even if I'd gotten pregnant with my daughter Carol today, I'd still have to keep her. But now, to introduce my guests, with me, as always, is my fabulous sidekick and champion of democracy. Yes, it's the ghost of Winston Churchill. What have you been up to this week, Winnie? Well, Margaret, this week I accidentally joined ISIS. What? Yes, it's a funny story. I had rather a lot of money I wanted to put in a tax-free savings account. I got a little confused. One thing led to another, and before you know it, I'm pulling down statues in an Iraqi museum. But don't worry, Margaret. 
I saw the error of my ways, and ever since I got home, I've done nothing but draw pictures of my habits. Oh, wait, no, no, no. Oh, oh, wait, hang on. These are just pictures of penises. And? I never said which part of him I was drawing. No, 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 I don't want your sweet maggot to be trending in a few weeks' time. <laughs> Although you have been rather generous. And why do all these have foreskins? Anyway, joining me for a glass of port and some jammy dodgers, he's a stand-up comedian who, according to Wikipedia, died two days ago choking on scampi. And she's a member of Sketch Trio Birthday Girls and has got over 833 friends on Facebook. Yes, that's right. 834. It's Tom Allen and Camille Uchan. Now, Camille, what story has piqued your interest this week? I would like to talk about the hit TV programme, Meet the Ukippers. Oh, really? Yes, I, I did read something about that. Oh, it was a treat. Do you think they came off well? <laughs> that, I think they probably went into it thinking, this is our chance to shine. <laughs> and they did shine, but for the wrong reasons. <laughs> the, the star of the show was Roseanne Duncan. Yes, she was the lady that oh, said, oh, God. The, the only people that she has a problem with are Negroes. <laughs> Yeah. And she didn't know why. No. I knew why. She, You're a bloody racist, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. She, she tried to blame it on something that could have happened when she was a child, but she just can't put her finger on it. I knew I felt for her. She'd been betrayed by the party. <laughs> because they're all thinking it. It's just Roseanne's the only one saying it. <laughs> but when they fire her, they, they go to her house and she's got this little shitty spaniel dog. She's looking at the newspapers that are all, you know, saying how awful she is. And she and she goes, well, yes, they've got that right. I did say I've got a problem with Negroids. I suppose they've got that bit right in the story. <laughs> That's the whole story, Roseanne. But while she's talking about it, you can hear the spaniel. I'm sure it's not just me. He is farting like a trooper in the background. But in the end, I wasn't completely surprised by how they were portrayed in the documentary. The same team tried to make a program about my home life. It is true though, Dennis. One does have to be careful about what one says these days. Oh yes, Margaret. Uh, that having been said, there is one group in society that I do have a problem with, and I don't know why. It's the Turn off the cameras! As you can see, it didn't quite work out. Now, Tom. Hello. I be- Hello, dear. I believe your eye was caught by a sudden item of clothing this week. Yes, the, uh, furore that happened over a dress that was white and gold or blue and black. No one could decide. And it became an internet sensation. I feel like the internet is just, the whole world is poised just to like jump on a bandwagon. Mm. And quite tedious bandwagon. I mean, the way people are going on and on about it, it's a bit like, you know, like the royal wedding or something. Everyone's like, you've got to be interested in this. It's like, I don't know, am I interested in this? Yes, you yeah. are, yes, you are. She wore a lovely dress for them. What? Lovely what? blue dress. Lovely blue dress. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the outcome? That uh, no one's going to be allowed to wear dresses anymore. <laughs> now, my own highlight of the week was the Channel 4 documentary, Dispatches that looked into the culture of members of the Houses of Commons taking on other jobs. And we're lucky enough to be able to play a clip for you now. 
members of the House of Commons are full-time employees, but that doesn't stop some of them looking for jobs outside of Parliament. My services are available. Former Home Secretary Jack Straw. I'm a bit like a cab for hire, really. <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm exactly like that. that. That is what I am. Right, mate, um, Tottenham Court Road, please. Sure. Um, no, no problem. Jack Straw has been driving a taxi in his spare time for over four years. Well, a- as MPs, we earn around £67,000 a year, which is, which is quite difficult to live on if you like to spend a, a lot of money. <coughs> really sorry, mate, she's had too much to drink. It- it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'll clean it up. Another MP who supplements his income with extra work is the former Conservative Defence Secretary, Sir Malcolm Rifkind. There's no doubt in my mind that £67,000 a year is simply not enough for someone of my background. Business. And circus skills. Alright kids, who wants to see me turn these balloons into tigers? Sir Malcolm performs at children's parties several times a week. To find out exactly what he'd be prepared to do, we've invented a fake family to approach him about a future engagement. Although they look genuine on the surface, if he looked closer, he would see the child is in fact a stuffed toy pig and the parents are played by Scylla Black and Al Pacino. So... What sort of deal could you offer us then? And what sort of flexibility do you have? Well, you'd be surprised how much free time I have. Now, in terms of fees, I charge something in the territory of five to eight pounds an hour. For that, I can sing songs, do magic, or introduce your child to any British ambassadors that he might want to meet. I um, used to work nights when I was Home Secretary. Jack Straw. I unloaded fish in Billingsgate Market. Almost missed the vote on the Iraq war because we were waiting on a late shipment of mackerel. It's tough sometimes, but you've got to make ends meet. How much is that? Um, well, could we say £5,000? Uh, it says 15 on the metre. Right, yeah. Another day, another dollar. As they say. After completing our investigation, dispatches contacted both MPs for statements. Curiously, both denied any wrongdoing, disputed the events in question, and cast doubt on the fact that individuals named Jack Straw and Sir Malcolm Rifkind even existed in the first place. Delightful! So, Tom and Camille, what's your opinion on second jobs? Do you think that MPs should be allowed interests outside of Parliament? Or, as with computer files, when you pull out the USB stick without ejecting, does it lead to corruption? (laughs) (laughs) I think, look at them, they're both what? Are they both pushing about 70? Let them earn a few bob on the side. (laughs) They're aware they're going to have to go into care homes sooner or later. (laughs) Let them have another job. Definitely. I mean, I didn't need a second job. I had a second source of income. (laughs) Dennis. (laughs) 
I think um, it's probably a good thing for MPs in a way because uh, you know then they can get an idea of what it's like to be an ordinary working class person in this country. That you have to have two jobs. Exactly. Apart um, from their red and five grand a day. That's the main difference. It. Yeah, but <laughs> that's what benefit cheats us. That's what the Daily Mail told me. The, the thing I don't understand is that somebody was prepared to pay £5,000 to hear Jack Straw speak. You can get Paul Daniels for three grand and Debbie McGee. Hi, the Chuckle Brothers, the Crankies. What do you think will impress the Chinese more? Jack Straw or Andy Peters and Ed the Duck? It's not rocket science! Oh, the Chuckle Brothers is a dodgy one at the moment, aren't they? Are they? Aren't they involved with, um... You know, the old paedophiles. Nothing libelous about <laughs> speculating on that. <laughs> not, as, not as in they did anything bad, but haven't they been given evidence about it? Who else, dear? I mean, is anybody... Maybe the, the guy from Bodger and Badger. Yeah. <laughs> Badger. Definitely. <Yeah. laughs> I had a photograph taken with Rolf Harris once. Did you? Mm-hmm. He was painting a children's mural. Did he paint you like one of his French girls? <laughs> <laughs> well, moving on. If you watch the Brit Awards... Yeah, and I think we all did. You might have witnessed Madonna taking a, a bit of a fall. But although she's known for changing her onstage persona over the years, this was in fact an accident and not an attempt to rebrand herself as a latter-day Frank Spencer. <laughs> but just as she said on Twitter, it's not how you fall down, but how you get up that's important. So she's here to perform one of her classic hits. I'm very pleased to welcome Madonna! Madonna's going to be on the show. That is so impressive. You've got Madonna. Madonna's going to be here. Madonna. Madonna's here. Oh, here she goes. Oh, I love this song. Oh, dear. Oh, that hurt. Oh, she's getting up. Well done, dear. Carry on. Yes, dear. Oh no, not again! Ooh, 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 three times! Ooh. Oh, that's got a heart! Oh, she's bleeding! She's bleeding! No, but she's carrying on! Well done, So professional! Ah, it's coming up to the corners! That's my favourite! Oh, I think she might have dislocated her hip! No, dear! Stay away from the shelves of vases! Find oh, out for the live wire! No! Not over there! That's where I keep my mouse trap! This is more painful to watch than swept away! Avoid the marbles! Oh, straight into the wet paint! Stove! No, she's carrying on! Just keep playing the music! No, that's a nail gun, not a microphone! Oh no! Why did she do that? No, not in there! That's where I keep my lion! Okay, dear, I know you're badly scarred and bleeding, but just try not to break any of those jars filled with salt and chili powder. Oh, God! No, not in there! That's the staircase! Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, oh! She's okay! I can see her out the window! She's on the street! Skateboard! Ooh! She's going down the hill! Look out! Train! 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 She's... She's okay! She's okay! No! Don't let her match! You're surrounded by diners! Well, I suppose that's one less rival diva to deal with. 
Now, these days, there are more political parties than there are white nominees at the Oscars. But for me, it's the Green Party that really takes the biscuit and then tells you off because it's not fair trade. <laughs> this week, their leader, Natalie Bennett, had a rather embarrassing interview with Nick Ferrari on LBC Radio. Well, thank you very much to our guest, Natalie Bennett. Natalie, I couldn't help noticing you're eating a Kit Kat. I was just wondering how much it was. I'm rather peckish. Um, right, well, that's... that's um... Just if you remember, I've got 45p in my pocket, but I can't remember what the machine charges. You've got, got a total cost. Um, what, what, what we're looking at in, term, in terms of the, the figures yeah. here... Yeah, j just roughly. I, I don't even need to know an exact figure. We're looking at a total spend of... <coughs> <laughs> sorry, yes, no, I, as, cool. as you can probably hear, I, I've got a, a huge cold. Oh, I'm terribly sorry to hear that. I, I, I just, I'm quite hungry. I'd like a cake cat. Um, um, <coughs> do, do you just not know? Um, yeah, well, uh, yeah. Right, well... Thank you very much, Natalie Bennett. So the Greens, a viable political force, or just a collection of students, university lecturers, and people taking a break from living in tunnels underneath proposed sites for Heathrow's third runway? Tom and Camille, what are your thoughts? Well, I like the Greens. Um, I can't see them being like, you know, the government. Mm. They're basically just the left-wing UKIP. Yeah, sure. I mean, can we expect to meet the Greens? Sorry, <laughs> tofuing the Greens. <laughs> she had a shocker, though. That interview was one of the best things I've heard it this really year. It really was. Apparently oh, she tried to blame it on a cone. I know. That's what I think that's what I'd do. If I made a claim that I was going to be able to build... What was it? 500,000 new houses. But I definitely wouldn't know how I was going to do that. <laughs> I would think, how the hell am I going to get out of this? I'd be like, <coughs> just, if I cough my way through it, they're going to have to move on. It was, sh it was, it was embarrassing. It was cringy. But we all enjoyed so watching it. It was, it was like... It was like Colin Firth at the beginning of the King's Speech. <laughs> it's like, someone call Geoffrey Rush. Sort this woman out. Get Helena Bonham Carter to sit on her stomach. The Russians are mobilising. They're becoming aggressive. And when war is declared, Natalie, that's whose voice I want to hear inspiring the country. Now, you all know my opinion on Ed Miliband. If the British public were Scarlett Johansson posing for a photograph, then he'd be John Travolta. If charisma were a contagious disease, then he'd be fully vaccinated. And if the Labour Party's chances of electoral success were a horse, then he'd be an employee of Don Corleone come to cut its head off. <laughs> but last episode, he recorded a special report from us, and since then, he's miraculously gone up in the polls. Coincidence? He doesn't think so. So let's see what he has to say for himself this week. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and... Oh, hi there, gang. Yes, it's me again, the suddenly slightly more popular Ed Miliband. I know, I don't know how it happened either. Maybe it was because Gillian Duffy decided to back Labour again. Yeah, I've decided to back you again. Thank you, bigoted woman. 
Or maybe it was because of my heartfelt tribute to my favourite actor, Leonard Nimoy. May the force be with you, Chewbacca. But either way, the Miliband brand, or Millibrand, is strong. And with the exception of Anton Deck, the voters are coming back to Labour. I even came up with a policy to celebrate. I took a long, hard look at tuition fees and decided that £9,000 a year is simply too much. Whereas £6,000, that's fine. If you're Jack Straw, that's only a grand more than you earn in a day. And yes, to pay for this, I would cut tax relief on higher earners' pensions. But I'm not afraid of having an unpopular opinion. I like the second series of Broadchurch. But listen, old people, if you're really worried about losing that money, just enroll in university and get a student loan. It'll be like six grand a year and you'll probably die before you have to pay it back. It's foolproof. But even though Labour is doing well, the election is not in the bag. Each and every MP has to fight for their seats, just like I had to on the bus the other day. Because I don't care if she was wearing a badge, that woman did not look pregnant. And I know there are setbacks. We were all embarrassed when Ed Balls said that he was a long, slow burn in bed. Not least me. If we win the election, he's going to live next door. I'm going to hear that shit through the wall. But finally, on a serious note, I know that all of you were as surprised as I was to find out that Jack Straw was still an MP. I thought he'd left ages ago. But even though this has undermined the public's faith in Parliament, let me assure you that as an MP, I have never had a second job. I never had a job before I came into politics. I've never been asked to be a director of a company. No one's ever approached me to be a consultant, and any applications I put in were uniformly rejected. And that's why I can put my hand on my heart and guarantee to you today that no matter what happens in the future, the Labour Party is the only organisation that would ever have me as a representative. Thank you, Mr Miliband. Now from one ebb to another, it's time to talk balls. Ed Balls, that is, who this week admitted that his lovemaking style was a long, slow burn, like virulent thrush. It all started when Mumpsnet users began an online discussion about what different politicians are like in bed. They described Boris Johnson as fun, David Cameron as too arrogant to be generous, and another commented that they could vividly imagine Ed Miliband handcuffed to a radiator presumably in another room where they were copping off with his brother. But what do you think? What what do your favourite members of Parliament be like in bed, Tom? Uh, I thought Bill Clinton was quite attractive, actually. Mm. So I probably would be but the he's American, to... though. He's American, and I like Americans. What can I say? I, like, I, I, I quite like Andy Burnham. I'd like to do to oh. hear what I did to the country. <laughs> yes. Michael Portillo, I always thought, was quite attractive. Mm. Really? I met him once. Very charming, very twinkly. Mm. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of them now, I don't think... Like George Osborne, oh, kind of mad, like no. something cold, something very cold about him. Mm. Yeah. I, re- I reckon Nick Clegg would do as his tone, don't you? I was just thinking that I, th- I think it'd be a good idea if it was mandatory for MPs to have sex with um, members of the public 
if members of the public so desired. And uh, my reason for that is I think we could cast a vote based on what they're like in the bedroom. I think what they're oh, like in the bedroom, I think what they're like in the bedroom will really show what they'll be like in Parliament. <laughs> say someone were, say someone uh, doesn't partake in any foreplay, then you'd be like, okay, this one's going to rush into policies without really... <laughs> someone will only have sex with the light off, you'd be like, they've got some dark secrets they're trying to keep hidden, let's look into them. What would be the ideal then? Very vocal. Very, very, very vocal. vocal. Very, not selfish, not too greedy. But always happy every now and again for a few backdoor policies. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nearly it from us this week. But before we go, we've just got time for letters from our audience. So, Winnie, who's been in contact this week? Well, Margaret, Edward Clench from Tooting <laughs> writes to say, Dear Maggie, I very much enjoyed the first episode of your podcast. Oh, Where's your favourite place to go out in London? Ooh, that's hard to say, but I am very fond of gay bars. So I'd have to say the Carlton Club. And before you say, before you say, Maggie, that's a conservative private members club, remember, there's nothing more conservative than being a closeted homosexual. <laughs> Next, Mr. Jorge Ankleseaman from Tooting writes... My dearest Margaret, I love you, I want you. I recently had a picture of your face tattooed onto my back and I stand outside your house every night hoping one day you'll notice me. Oh, how nice. He continues, <laughs> What do you think of the rumours regarding a relationship between Emma Watson and Prince Harry? Hermione loves Ron forever. It's as simple as that. But as for the rumours about Prince Harry and myself, what can I say? The bond between the Prime Minister and the royal family has always been a special relationship indeed. <laughs> Finally, the Metropolitan Police writes, Dear Mrs Thatcher, in light of new evidence, we would like to question you about your whereabouts on the night of the Brit Awards, specifically at the time of Madonna's accident. Oh, pass. And that's about all the time we have this week. It's almost time for me to go, but before we do, I'd like to thank my guests, Tom Allen and Camille Yuchan. Now, have either of you got shows coming up that the members of the public might like to see, dear? So, sign up to my newsletter. That's the best thing I would recommend. And you get all the news, and you also get a recipe suggestion, and that's available at tomindeed.com forward slash mailing underscore list. And you, Camille? Our, uh, birthday Girls are doing our show Party Vibes at the Leicester Square Theatre on Monday the 16th and Tuesday the 17th of March, which is when, I believe, Maggie Thatcher is also knocking about. That's true, so, dear. Uh, so you can go and see Camille's show. And if you want to book my show, it's Margaret Thatcher, Queen of Soho, at the Leicester Square Theatre from the 17th to the 21st of March. And now, finally, as a cold-blooded person with no emotions who likes wearing a lot of blue, I identified with the character of Mr. Spock. So with the passing of Leonard Nimoy, I'll leave you with a piece of work I am sure he would most want to be remembered for. The Ballad of Bilbo Baggins. Goodbye, dears. <laughs> middle of the earth in the land of Shire lives a brave little hobbit whom we all admire with his long wooden pipe fuzzy woolly toes. He lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him Bilbo. Bilbo. 
Bilbo Baggins, he's only three feet tall. Bilbo, Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. You have been listening to Margaret Thatcher, Queen of Podcasts, starring Matt Tedford as Margaret Thatcher. It featured special guests Tom Allen and Camille Yuchan, with musical performances by Leonard Nimoy and Madonna. Awkward pauses were provided by Natalie Bennett, and the entire budget of £5,000 was spent on Jack Straw. It was written and produced by John Britton, with additional material by David Byrne and the cast. This was a Queen of Soho production for the British Comedy Guide.